0: I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for being here. I'm Matt Dixon, your host. I am the founder and head coach of Purple Patch Fitness, and, well, This is it. Number one, the start, the beginning, the very first Purple Patch podcast. We are going to be talking about athletic potential. We're going to be talking about human potential. You're going to hear lots from me, but just as important, perhaps more important, you're going to be hearing from lots of other people, experts in their fields, inspirational people that have learned how to win a great and utilize world-class performance. And some of the stories and journeys that go into their success. This is gonna be a lot of fun and to get going, this week we're gonna talk about the Purple Patch story. We're gonna do a deep dive into my background, explore some of the steps that led to the Purple Patch fitness story, and hopefully create some context for all of the future education and discussions that we're gonna have around athletic and human potential. Before we do that, before we dive into the meat of potatoes, let's talk about the word of the week. We like the way he thinks. serious with the way What's up in the book It's time to take a peek It's the dictionary word of the week This is going to be a segment that we do every week where we focus on one word out of the dictionary. Yes? Sounds a little cheesy, but the dictionary, all of those coaching sayings that I utilize in everyday life, some educational, some a little silly, some even a little bit rude. But we're going to do a deep dive focus on a single word and provide some context into how you might be able to get some tips and tricks and utilize it into your own performance journey. And this week we're going to get going with the word presence. It's early in the new year, and once the wave of the short-term resolution have passed us by, let's move on to something a little bit more concrete. I often have athletes come and ask for ideas for their own commitment or change of habits, and some of the things that I might suggest are often rooted in two of the biggest mistakes that I see endurance athletes make. The first, going too hard in easy days. Really easy mistake to make. The second is not fueling following workouts. So that could be a good place to start. But, There is a universal platform to your biggest performance yield from your training. No matter the level, no matter the hours, no matter your sport, being present is a critical function of ultimate success. When training is on, you should be focused on the doing. As intended, making sure that you're doing it as well as you can with the best form that you can. It's a fantastically healthy thing to actually take out distractions, remove the iPhone from the equation. Don't try and stew on work issues or life issues that can distract from the focus at hand. Two things result from this approach. The first is you're gonna get the best return on your training time. So therefore the results you're looking for, and that's a really positive thing. But the second thing, which I think is underappreciated is that training then morphs to become the release. It becomes the therapy from life stressors emotionally. It acts as the space from which you can actually remove yourself from the rigors of work and life, and then return with a fresh lens. So, when you approach your training this year, it doesn't matter whether you're seeking to try and qualify to the Hawaii Ironman, qualify to the Boston Marathon, or simply looking to lose a few pounds, be present in your exercise, be present in your training. It is a key backbone to your performance journey, especially a time-starved athlete. You don't have any time to waste. So, the word of the week this week, Presence. Now let's get on with the meat and potatoes. So While I'm really excited about the many interviews that we have lined up, talking to experts in their field, interviewing some of the Purple Patch athletes, discussions with CEOs and executives and how they've integrated athletic performance to help them improve their human potential, in order for you to have context, I think it's important for you to understand me. And so we're gonna go right back to the start and go through my journey. Hopefully, it should be fun, mildly interesting, but, we're going to use it as a platform for everything from here on out when we talk about athletic and human potential. So my journey started in a town just outside of London called South End in Essex. And if you're not great at English geography, well, it's a little similar to like saying that I'm from New York. But really, I'm from the Jersey Shore. And yes, all of the same stereotypes that are associated with it. My parents, well, my father was an accountant, but both of my parents were actually swimming teachers, and that meant only one thing. At a very early age, I was heavily chlorinated. I went through a life of swimming, and by the age of 18, I was very, very lucky to have the chance to come to the States on a swimming scholarship. So in 1992, I came across pre-Internet, at least certainly pre-Internet for me, never having been to the States before. And to be honest, I had two main missions. The first was to return with a degree, but the second and main mission at the time was the Olympic Games in 1996. My goal was to return for the Olympic trials and qualify for Atlanta in 1996. My American athletic journey began in the cornfields of Illinois. I started my swimming and academic career at Western Illinois. I really didn't know the difference between any of the institutions. So when I was being recruited by Ohio State and Western Illinois and University of North Carolina and Drury College, I had nothing but the brochure to go on. So, finally, I made the decision based on the coach and the support that they could provide. Well, cornfields, here we come. You can imagine my surprise when I left the outskirts of London and landed in Illinois. After a year of swimming there, I decided to transfer to a slightly bigger school with a little bit more emphasis on elite swimming. And so I ended up going to the University of Cincinnati. And it was there that I chose my major, Exercise Science. The journey to the Olympic Games had begun. Well, let's reflect on me as a swimmer a little bit. I have to say that I think I was world-class at training. Ultimately, the truth is, my results, the final results, didn't really reflect the work that I put in or certainly some of the performances in my training. I certainly was also if I'm really truthful, probably just that level below, coming home with the Olympic rings tattooed on my shoulders. I had several friends that managed to make the games, but in honesty, I didn't quite meet the grade. So at the ripe old age of 22, with a degree under my arm and a whole bunch of fun experiences on the journey, I was retired. It's so funny, retired at 22 so many are done in the sport before they reach their physiological potential. But there it was. I was burnt out, a little bit overtrained, and certainly hadn't reached my potential. So it was then that I decided to make a transition into coaching. I loved teaching, I enjoyed leadership, and ultimately, I think I wanted to crack the code with my frustrations of my own athletic and swimming experience. Well, I was very lucky to join a great age group team in Cincinnati. And almost at random, they happened to be one of the best age group teams in the country. And it was there that I met my first coaching mentor. His name was Ed Buckman, and he had a great talent of out of the box thinking and a pure joy of coaching. Those first years of a coach were so important to me. He taught me so much. And interestingly, when I look back, I still see those very first coaching years as being so foundational to even my coaching now. But I realized after a few years, having the chance to go through some athletic development with some of the kids and the swimmers that we helped, I realized that it was time to move on. And so I decided to move on to collegiate coaching. And at the same time, I had the chance to get my master's degree. So there I was, I went off down to University of South Carolina. I'd lived in the Midwest, why not live in the south of the US? It was there that I ventured on to my master's degree in clinical physiology And at the same time, got to coach at the Division I University down there. In my education, it was there that I had my mentors and I managed to achieve a great backbone of information. But I think more importantly, it helped me with my thinking. It helped me create a filter for information. And I still look back at my master's degree as being so important for me to help filter information and make decisions about what's good and what's not so good in the performance world. Of course now, 15 or 20 years later, I really view myself as a coach. I know great physiologists, and while I have the backbone of physiology, I think what I've experienced now is as much about the experience and real-world aspect and surrounding myself with smart people than it is truly labeling myself as an exercise physiologist. At the swimming coaching there, I had a really interesting experience because while the program was bigger, while it was more advanced, we were dealing with collegiate kids, some of which even went on to make the Olympic games. It didn't mean it was better. And I think it was the first time, yep, I'm a slow learner, it was the first time that I stepped back and questioned the classic or stereotypical methods of coaching. As you'll see, it doesn't mean that I applied them to myself. It was at the University of South Carolina that I did my first dip into triathlon. And, like so many people, it started with a bet. Buy a bike, why not? I thought, great, I live in a place that's lovely for road riding. I'm going to save up my pennies, and I'm going to buy a cheap bicycle. Can you go and do an Olympic distance triathlon? I'll give it a crack. So after a couple of weeks of riding and just a little bit of jogging, off I went to the local race. It was here that I had my first lessons of who I was gonna become as an athlete. It was the benefit and the burden of my swimming background. The benefit, well, it's no secret that swimming is the most technical sport. And for the adult learners, very, very challenging to have a steep learning curve to being anywhere near good. I had that in my back pocket. The burden, I quickly realized that relative to the elite runners, I run like a donkey dipped in cement. And so, a question, were you part of the unlucky 10? Who are the unlucky 10, you might say? Those are, by my estimation, the 10 people that in the whole of my triathlon career, I think I passed on the run. Being a good swimmer, a strong cyclist, of course, my journey became about going backwards through the field. Sometimes not too far backwards, sometimes further back than I would like to admit. But the important thing I fell in love with the sport and at that time I started doing Olympic distance and Ironman 70.3 races. I kept it simple. I studied, I coached and I did a little bit of triathlon and when I look back I excelled. I managed to get to a level that was really pretty good and I had lots of people around me telling me you could go pro, you could go pro. So when I finished my master's degree I thought why not? Now's the time. I'm in my late 20s. Let's give professional triathlon ago. I moved to Los Angeles really because I had a friend that lived there and I knew that it was sunny and worn and there were plenty of athletes nearby. The goal, world class. I think I'm a great example of how to do a professional career poorly. Despite myself, despite my education, despite my athletic history and my previous lessons that were there for the taking, Despite my coaching background already, I managed to drive myself into the ground. Yes, I had a little success, but in all honesty, the journey was over before it had even begun. I managed to deploy crazy and obsessive training. Hey, if I was training twenty-five hours a week to get ready for a two-to-four-minute swim event, how many hours a week did I have to get ready for Ironman? That crazy training was supported with very poor habits, recovery, a lip service, nutrition. Well, I was trying to get down to race weight, so I had some pretty bad under eating. Ultimately, it left me into some state of chronic fatigue. Having chronic fatigue was one of the best things that could ever happen to me, because out of that adversity was born a methodology. At the time, I was already coaching athletes to support my income, but I really knew that I wanted to move into coaching after my professional career. Well, when it was finished prematurely, it was a chance. In fact, I was forced to take a step back. I had to look at the sport. I had to look at my own career, my own development, both in swimming and, of course, in triathlon. I had a chance to reflect on my swimming career. And to me, it just didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. And when I looked at the sport at large, I saw an overwhelming landscape of underperformance relative to the effort that people were putting in. At the elite level, I didn't feel like for many they were actually achieving the results that they deserved. But at the amateur level, when we added in work, family and other aspects of life, I saw frustration and too many people that were fit and fatigued. When I thought about training methodology and how people approached it, I realized that the simple barometer of success was all about the accumulation of the hours of training. Topics such as fueling, recovery, sleep, and strength, they were viewed as important, but in honesty, in reality, it was just lip service. It was all about getting the training done. Well, what did I know? I knew that there weren't hacks. I knew that we couldn't create shortcuts, but I saw so many people arriving fit and fatigued. So I made a decision, and that decision still sits on the t-shirts of Purple Patch Athletes. I wanted my athletes to be fit and fresh and it was at that time that I made a commitment to myself. In fact, I would say there were sort of two commitments. The first was what is the coach's role? While I viewed coaching as creating a smart plan for an athlete, I decided to commit to not just prescribing a plan but to actually equally value the role of education. To be successful, I felt like we had to empower athletes. As I was an athlete, I was someone that would loyally follow the coach, do whatever they would do. Even if the GPS said drive into the lake, I was that guy that would drive into the lake. I wasn't empowered, I didn't understand the intent. And so I made a commitment to educate athletes, to empower them, to try and help them make smart decisions on their journey. The second component of the commitment was to actually define what the plan meant. And for me, as a triathlon coach, it wasn't just about swimming, cycling, and running. I decided to create an equal playing field where I gave equal value and full commitment to yes, the endurance component, but also to recovery, to nutrition, to strength. And in fact, When I started writing in the triathlon publications, the only subject I focused on was recovery. So much so, I became known as the recovery coach. So out of those commitments was really born my coaching methodology, and it still creates the backbone of my approach today. Well, as we went along the journey and I continued to be a coach, I decided I'm gonna start a company, and I started Purple Patch. Well the question I often get is what does purple patch mean? Why purple patch? What is that word? What is that phrase? Well it's an English saying and loosely translated it means the time of life when you're performing at your optimal level. A state of flow. Everything falls into place. You can't put a foot wrong. It sounds very utopian and it is utopian. You can't maintain a peak state for all of your life. But our mission, our aim is to make those little periods, those little purple patches more frequent and hopefully last longer. And that's why, coming back to what I talked about earlier, the purpose of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through a lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. And this is what the podcast is about. This is what I hope to help with. So let's fast forward to Purple Patch now. It's now been in existence for more than 10 years. We've had a professional Ironman 70.3 world champion. In fact, we've had 300 pro wins and podiums over the last few years. More than 200 athletes have qualified to the Hawaii Ironman, a handful of amateur and pro world champions. So is Purple Patch just for elite athletes? Absolutely not. The common thread of the Purple Patch athlete is quite simple. The desire to improve. And so to help these athletes improve, to help transfer the mindset of that methodology and commitment that we made, we created the educational tool that we call the Pillars of Performance. What is the Pillars of Performance? Well, those are the foundational elements that I believe make up improvement in performance, both in sport and in life. So what do we know? Well, what we've seen from now years of observation is that if we can create a smart training program an endurance training program that is appropriate for you and that program is supported with proper nutrition and that includes fueling and hydration as well as a backbone of adequate recovery and sleep and a component of strength and conditioning, you improve. Yes, you improve your sporting results but also what we see is that you thrive in your health, work and life. And this rings true for all levels So for me, as a coach, yes, I'm really proud of Tim Reed and the fact that he won a world championship. But I'm equally proud of Marina and she losing 100 pounds going from chronic fatigue and now finishing her first half Ironman. I'm immensely proud of Mohammed and his journey to becoming an Olympic Games medalist in the Paralympics. And Joe, the CEO, who cracked the code and managed to integrate this into life, and not only finished an Ironman, but ultimately went on to qualify to Kona. And yes, I'm even proud of my mates Angus and James, who, despite some unhealthy habits, managed to turn it around and get across the line of their first Ironman. It's all about performance, whatever that means to you. And so with that, to finish the story, to finish the journey of Purple Patch, I think we have to talk about me as a coach because sometimes I have to feel like I'm a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde coach. Let's talk about the professional athletes versus the amateurs. Well. I love world-class performance. It's no secret that I enjoy it. We have a wonderful professional athlete squad. And our pros actually act as the great proving ground for our methodology. I've been very lucky to have the chance to learn from some already world-class athletes that have joined us. Chris Lieto, who went on to get second in the Hawaii Ironman. Great legendary athletes like Rasmus Henning and Luke Bell. I've also learned from the journeys of the development from amateur to world class. Athletes like Meredith Kessler that came as an 11 and a half hour Ironman and several years later went on to become a multiple Ironman champion. Jesse Thomas from amateur to six time wildflower champion. Sarah Pampiano from Wall Street to world class. And Laura Sedell who joined with simple aspirations of becoming world class and now this year has truly achieved that. But outside of the professional athletes, I've also had the chance to learn from world-class performers in work and life. CEOs and executives, people like Sami Inkonen, Max Levchin, Sir Michael Moritz, and others that have managed to integrate athletics into their life to help them with their performance in the workplace and with their health. But what's the difference between the two? Well, I think this is really important for future context. The pro athletes, when we're helping the pro athletes, we are unapologetically going after world-class performance. That is the focus that we're going on. And so everything that wraps around sports performance, yes, that's the training plan, the strength and conditioning, the sleep, the recovery, the nutrition, that is the focus, and then we wrap around some semblance of life. We want them to be happy, we want them to have relationships, but we try and suppress the stresses of life so that we can achieve the pinnacle of world-class performance. For me, that's a very different mindset than the time-starved amateur. If you're a time-starved athlete, I think that you have two main missions. The first is improvement in your sport by integrating sport into your life, you want to improve, you want to achieve goals. And yes, we should do everything that we can to try and achieve those goals within context of life. But we don't want to do that at the compromise of your health, work, and life performance. Your second mission is actually by integrating sport into life that you actually enhance and thrive in your health, in your work, and in your life and that is nailing it so we aim for integration we aim for performance within context and that is what you're going for as a time staffed athlete with that context we're looking forward to the podcast ultimately you cannot escape what you are outside of the workplace you will bring it to work and so my mission is to help you improve in your sport but in doing so I hope that you can find a path to thrive in health, work and life. I cannot offer shortcuts. I won't promise life hacks. Instead, I'm gonna arm you with real information to implement into your performance journey and lifestyle because this is what it is. It's not a destination. We're not creating short-term fixes. This is long-term habits where we create sustainable and ultimate success. I hope you're excited, I am that's the purple patch story so far if you like what you heard today excited about the subjects and the content ahead please share please review we're getting this ramped up and excited to see where it leads so till next time matt dixon signing off take care